Hello and welcome to the corner three, more like the corner of my living room, where we're posted <laughs> up and spotted up talking all things Mavs on and off the floor. My name is Bobby Corella. To the screen's right and to my uh, northeast is Kati Vialba. Kati, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Excited to be back with you guys. So excited that you didn't even come to work today, Katia. Yeah. <laughs> we all just stayed home. It's a rainy yeah, day, you know, some, uh, cozy vibes. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Either the office is under construction or we're all just a bunch of lazy, uh, you know, lazy bums. Or maybe both, <laughs> in my case. Uh, and then to my, I guess, east? I'm not really sure. No, west. Northwest is Isaac Harris. Isaac. Where on the map are you located right now? Generally uh, speaking, I am in my home little setup. It's getting big time 2020 vibes right now, doing mm. pods and stuff over over the airwaves. But we back talking Mavs. Timberwolves last night, arguably the best. I mean, it is the best team in the Western Conference came in, right? They best the record best in the NBA, man. Best record in NBA. Best record in the league yeah so we will dive into that game uh and then we're going to talk a little bit about dante exum you might have heard of him and then finally we're gonna uh we're gonna take a trip down history lane uh, uh that was bad uh katia is gonna take us through uh, some of the great mav sixth men uh in franchise history because one of them is popping off now uh you can blame I'll, i want to get a, i want to get out in front of this you can blame Tim Hardaway Jr.'s bad shooting night against the Wolves on us, okay? We have our pre-production meeting every Thursday afternoon. And Kat we was like... about it, yeah. Yeah, Tim gave this great quote about the great six men, and we were like, there have been a lot of good six men. We should talk about them because Tim is playing so well. And then, uh, you know, last night, unfortunately, there was a game. So that's on us, all right? It's on Cat. say that now. Cat jinxed it. I had to sleep with that on my conscience last night. So it's it's not Cat's fault. It's our fault. It's not Tim's fault. It's our fault. It's Chopper's fault. And Chopper is not on the stage right now, so he can't even retort, even if he wanted to. Because he's <laughs> muted, buddy. Uh, okay. So Thursday night at American Airlines Center, the Mavs played the Minnesota Timberwolves. First half was really awesome. Uh, Mavs got off to this great start. It was 17-2. to two. Uh, right out of the gate, hit a couple threes. Luca was styling all over the place. Uh, and then, you know, like Isaac said, the Wolves have the best record in the West. And so that you knew they were going to come back. And then in the second half, things took a turn for the worse. And it ends up being a 119-101 final score. You can chalk this game up to a, a few different key stats. I would say the most important one is the Mavs were 7 of 32 from three and the Wolves were 14 of 31. So, when you take basically the same number of shots from beyond the arc and one team makes 21 points more worth of shots than the other, uh, it's going to be awfully tough to win the game. Dallas looked pretty heavy-legged, getting a bunch of open shots and just generally just... Yam on him. Down. Sorry, Dante Exum just yammed on him. And I, I just, <laughs> when oh, that okay. play happened, I was like super hyped during the game. Yeah, it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, Isaac... Um, I think, you know, it was like that we, we saw the best and the worst, right? Against the Lakers, the Mavs only – Luka was incredible in both games, obviously. We're taking him for granted. But um, against the Lakers, Tim, 32 points. Dante Exum, 26 points. Grant Williams, 19 points. And then last night, uh, Tim, 10 points. Dante Exum, 14. Okay. Uh, Grant Williams, 5 uh, Grant Williams, Derek Jones, and Tim were a combined two for 20 on threes. Like, you know, it, it, basketball is much more complicated than if you hit all your shots, you win. And if you miss all your shots, you lose. But the last two games don't really do much to uh, to convince you otherwise. Do we want to talk about the other text that Kat sent last night before the game? Hey, hey, just real quick. Uh, if Grant has a, has a really good game, we should talk about Grant tomorrow. So I think she jinxed Grant, too. Um, I I'm just gonna stay, stay out of production meetings. Yeah, my bad. I will just mind mine and just. It's just maybe safe. we shouldn't plan the show until Friday morning. Ooh, that's risky. <laughs> you know, I'm anti-meeting guy. <laughs> but <laughs> no, <there's> I, <laughs> I would even boil it down to two, uh, two like 
just two things of looking at Tim and the three-point shooting. You look at the Lakers game, they shoot, what, 49% from three as a team. Tim has over 30 points. You, you flip the page to this game against the best team in the arguably the league, best you know record in the Western Conference and everything, and Tim has 10 points. He was a minus 30 in the game, and they hit seven threes total, one three-pointer in the second half. So when you don't have Kyrie Irving alongside Luka Doncic, you need some of these other things to happen for you to not just have a shot, but like to, to win a game and, you know, alongside, cause Luke is going to do his thing. And when you look at those two things with Tim Hardaway and the, you know, the team three point shooting, then it was, it, it's tough. You're really stacking it against you when you're trying to win a game uh, without Kyrie when those things ain't happening. And then Kat, you know, yeah. going into last night's game, of course, uh, Grant Williams back, Tim Hardaway Jr. back, so they're getting a little healthier, Derek Jones Jr. back, but still no Kyrie, no Josh Green, no Maxi. so Mavs, uh, you know, without one of their their top scorers and then some depth. Then you look at the bench scoring. Oh, my God. Points off the bench, 56 for Minnesota and only 25 for Dallas. I mean, Nas Reed outscored the Mavs bench just by himself, so it was really tough for them to keep up with uh, just Minnesota's just depth. Yeah, it's tough. It reminds me of like the days when, you know, we had to rely on Luca to kind of do everything because you look at the box score, Luca at 39 points. I mean, in the first quarter, he had 19. They rescinded a three, so he ended up with 16, but they only had, I believe, 26 points at the end. So basically, it was the majority of Luca just coming out hot, scoring in the first. So if you have to rely on him and he's been playing like plus 40 minutes, like every single game. So I think it's just, it's, it's back to those days of where we're kind of relying on him to kind of carry the load. Now on other days, when you have like Tim scoring 32 and Grant nearing 20, that that's when it works better because you have other players kind of also scoring because you have to score points to win the game. Right. So if you're relying on just just Luca to do it, it, it gets tough. Um, and, and you know, it, it's worth reminder again of how many guys Dallas was missing in this game, not just Kyrie. For sure, Josh, Josh was out, Seth was out. Uh, you know, Seth has been starting in place of Kyrie. I think I'm forgetting somebody else. Maxie, Maxie, yeah, Maxie's still out. I mean, they they ended the Get first. Frank. <laughs> Forgot about Frank. Yeah, in Charlotte, he's still in Charlotte, right? uh i think so okay um but you know that when you end the first quarter and it's no shot against these guys it's just a matter of these guys haven't been playing a ton Rashawn a little bit but when you end the first quarter against a team like minnesota and you know mark eve is on the floor omax and Rashawn holmes all three of those guys are on the floor we've seen games early in the season to where those guys are in, on the floor in the fourth quarter during a blowout and you know they're closing the you know first quarter against the timberwolves just shows you that you know they were missing a ton of guys it's not an excuse but it's just a reminder of that you know the rotation is a little short yeah the well, without Kyrie too. Thin. sorry sorry <laughs> go ahead oh yeah um without Kyrie too like Kat what, we, what you were saying is like they were the offense was very reliant on Luka not only to create his own shot but also to basically spoon feed everybody else um because you really only have that one guy that can facilitate that can put everybody in position like Dante can do it to a degree um, but I, I think he's a, a better facilitator, more reliable playmaker against bench units. Um, but against the Wolves, I mean, man, they have like Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels. It's two really, really good perimeter defenders. Uh, and then off the bench, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is having a great season. Kyle Anderson is long. They got Troy Brown Jr. too. Uh, they, they just have so much length and so many quality wings. It's really tough for guys that aren't premier playmakers um, to, to get guys open. And it's also tough. For the other players on the team because you're gonna like okay maybe ant is guarding uh exum and mcdaniels is guarding luca well that means i'm grant williams uh that means you know cat might be sagging off me and then i can get past him on the closeout and i'm running into rudy gobert and you know i'm not finishing over rudy gobert uh the wolves are the number one defense in the league for a reason and you know had they had Kyrie, i feel like that's two guys that can score in those weird areas a lot of lucas points came on like 12-foot fadeaways or seven-foot floaters. You're not getting all the way to the rim against Gobert. Uh, and you're also, you know, it's, you're going to have to work really hard just to break down McDaniels on the perimeter. So if they also had Kyrie, I think, to do that, 
then that's again two guys that can kind of score from anywhere they can really bend and shape shift the defense but you know with only Luca they became very reliant on him scoring in a lot of awkward areas on the floor and then also all these other guys knocking down shots um you know you have to hit the open threes and they just weren't able to do that and because they weren't knocking down the open threes the Wolves didn't have to close out as hard which meant there was no like Tim was red hot against the Lakers. He was pump faking, going under, you know, getting all the way to the rim, laying it in with the and one, um, you know, turning like a basically a dead play into a three point play. There was none of that against the Wolves because they were just like, yeah, just shoot. Like <laughs> y'all are missing everything. Just keep shooting. Uh, so, you know, they but but those are going to happen. You're going to have bad shooting nights. Um, and like Isaac was saying, you know, against the Lakers, they had 50 percent of their threes. The Mavs did. So did the Lakers. Um, against the Wolves, the Wolves hit 50% of their threes, and the Mavs didn't. Uh, I think the exact number was like 45.2% or something. But like, whenever you shoot that well, whenever the opponent shoots that well, you have very, very low chance of winning the game. Um, so before that Lakers game, I think the Mavs were like 11 and 39 in their last 50 games when the opponent hit at least half their threes. Like, your odds are very long to win if the opponent is shooting that well. It means that you also have to shoot very well. Uh, and if you shoot seven for 32, you're probably going to lose most games, especially when the other team is hot. So I don't know how much we learned about either team last night. I mean, I will say the Wolves have an incredible amount of depth. Uh, the Mavs depth is hurting right now and you know, they, they need to get healthy, but I feel like with the quality of shots, the Mavs got versus like the, just the amount of red hotness emanating from the Wolves bench. If they played that same exact game, like 10 times, I would like the Mavs chances to win five or six of them. Um, but uh, you only play a game once and, you know, the Mavs just couldn't knock down enough of their shots. Yeah. And I mean, just like a general oversight of the game, the Mavs had a 15 point lead in the first half. And then the at halftime, it was a one point game. So it really was anyone's game. And then, um, like you said, like they only made one three pointer. You live and die by the three. We've said that a million times. And if you're only going to make one three in an entire half, it's very hard to win the game. Um and so, they're awesome on defense. I mean, Dallas only had, you know, what, 41 points in the second half. And, you know, when they lock in, they're so big. I mean, this is <clears throat> the makeup of this team is why this conversation going around the league right now about how big you have to be as an NBA team in your rotation is a big thing because you have Gobert and Cat and Jaden McDaniels, who reportedly grew like 6'10 this offseason. You have Anthony Edwards at your two. And, you know, he's big. People are sharing clips of him guarding Luca and stuff last night. And then you bring in, you know, they re-signed Nas Reed. It's like, well, dang, how many big dudes are you going to have? And, I mean, I didn't know Nas Reed was going to turn to Ray Allen. But they they have all of this size, and they're so big. And they just clamped in and, you know, on the in the second half against Dallas. And, yeah, held them to 41 points in the half. And that's what they could do. That's why they're so good defensively. And, you know, I feel like in the in the first half, Cat was pretty quiet. Really, like Anthony Edwards quiet throughout the game. It was his first game back after missing some. And, you know, McDaniels wasn't that dynamic on offense. He's also missed some time lately. Um, you know, I thought the Mavs defense was really good in the first half. In the second half, though, Cat started hitting so many tough shots. You know, he's got the height advantage over Grant Williams, strength advantage over Derek Jones. Mavs put in Markeith Morris, but he's not quite as tall either. So Cat was, you know, kind of pulling these bigger guys out to the perimeter and then driving past them. So then you back off him a little bit and he's able to step into these like 15, 18 foot pull up shots and hit those. And then on the other side of the floor, maybe Anthony Edwards is breaking his man down, getting into the paint and Grant comes down to help. And then nobody's boxing out this seven foot, 250 pound power forward. That's just soaring in for an offensive rebound. And he got some putbacks too. So in the second half, Cat was really, really dynamic and, and a, a big force in the game. So yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as always really like, these teams that have, I, I think, like, to this point in the season, there's two big, big, big problems uh, that the Mavs need to work to solve somehow. Uh, one, when the other team has a really, really big four, the Mavs have struggled. Aaron Gordon against the Nuggets, Pascal Siakam against the Raptors, Cat against the Wolves. You know, these teams that have size, not just at center, but throughout the lineup, give the Mavs problems. Um, second, when the other team's five can shoot, um, against the Thunder, for example, you know, the Derek Lively, obviously you want to keep him around the rim. Derek Lively is kind of sagging off Jalen Williams. Well, Jalen Williams hit like five threes in that game. Um, last night against the Wolves, Nas Reed 
you know, the big men sagging off Nas Reed. Nas Reed hit seven threes or something. Like, if the other team's five can shoot, and the same goes for, you know, Towns as well, because they kind of play at the same time sometimes. Um, if the other team's five can shoot or if the other team can go five out, the Mavs are going to have a hard time um, because Lively is just not, you know, he's not able to defend the rim and the three-point line. You know, he's just one guy. So, um, you know, if the other team can kind of break you down on the perimeter and then get you in rotation and they can kick it out to their wide open five as a 35, 40% three-point shooter, uh, it's going to be a really long night. So those are two, I think, big problems on defense for the Mavs right now um, and on offense to a degree too, I guess, against bigger teams. They have a hard time getting in the lane and scoring. So I think that's kind of the the, the two big problems that they, uh, that they need to work on to overcome if they want to go on like a, a longer playoff run. Yeah. Uh, I thought the broadcast. (laughs) Yeah, good job, Bob. (laughs) I thought the broadcast had a really interesting stat. They had the most alley oop dunk duos um, that like lead the league. So Doncic to Lively, they had entering the game last night, they had 22 alley oops that they had connected on, and that leads the league by a mile. But the next two guys are Towns and Rudy Gobert at 10. But then it's Mike Conley to Rudy Gobert at 10 as well. So them having that many options of like even just having a lob threat, like you don't know who that's coming from. Like also Towns to Gobert, I thought was super interesting because you don't really ever have like the four lobbing it up to the five and connecting on that many to lead the league or basically lead the league second. They only tried that one time last night. Lively sniffed it out and it was it was pretty impressive. It was pretty yeah. impressive. I, I like also I'll, I'll say this last thing I have on the Wolves. I love when teams this is why I was kind of a little uh, higher on Houston uh, in the offseason. I love when teams have a collection of like younger talent. Obviously, they have Rudy Gobert, too. So but you know, when you look at Cat, you look at Anthony Edwards, you look at McDaniels and some of these other guys. I love when a team like that goes out and says we have to get an adult in the room. And not that these guys are not adults, but like the adult at the point guard spot. And just the the switching out of D'Lo to Mike Conley is huge for this team. It took a little time to adjust, but now you're seeing that fully, they're fully adjusted this year. And yeah, Conley's not going to put up, you know, 30 points in, you know, a game. But what he does for that team of just calming them down, setting them up, knowing when to run what. And so it's just, that's just such an underrated move by Minnesota. And Conley's just like a great fit for those guys. It really, really irritated me whenever they got him last year. <laughs> it, it really, really annoyed me. Uh, and he is a guy, too, that has a lot of experience playing with Rudy, um, whereas D'Lo Haddon and, you know, the, the other guards and the other players in general on the Wolves don't have experience with him. So, like, Conley knows where Rudy likes the ball, like these empty side pick and rolls. It's going to be a lob to Rudy every time. And then on defense, he knows how to play uh, in front of him. So that was a, that was a really, really smart pickup. Um, smart pickup for the Mavs. Let's shift gears, man. I'm tired of talking about how good these other teams are. Let's talk about how good Dante Exum is. So for those who don't know, on Wednesday, the last couple Wednesdays, uh, we've been streaming on YouTube. Um, now with our office uh, having a bunch of like jackhammers and stuff in there, I'm not really sure uh, when we'll stream again. But uh, if you know, we're, I think it's something that we're going to start doing more often um, in calendar year 2024. And on the stream the other day, uh, Isaac, who's been hosting it, came in with a bunch of Dante Exum notes. And we had a pretty good conversation about kind of his basketball journey um, into the player that he's become. Because he's this once heralded lottery pick. And all of a sudden, here he is, like, played in Europe for two years. And now he's like the 12th man. But all of a sudden, he's starting. Um, so, you know, pretty unexpected rise to prominence for Dante or return to prominence. And so, uh, Isaac, I wanted uh, wanted to give you a chance to to spread the gospel of Dante again, real quick, uh, before we dive into what has made him so impactful on the floor for Dallas. Yeah, well, I, I think with Dante, I think a lot of people are asking the question, like, what happened to him? Like, he's playing really good basketball right now. So, like, oh, Dante Exum's back in the league, you know, for the quote casual fan. Why didn't it work out? Why did he have to go overseas? And this is when you look at a story of a player and I love when you, you can look at a player's journey throughout the league or through, you know, professional sport and where the context matters of like, you know, Dante Exum goes in that 2014 draft. He goes fifth overall to Utah. He played, has this rookie season. He's this bigger, lanky six, five, six, 10 wingspan, you know, guard. And 
you know, it was it was okay rookie season, but then bam, he blows out his knee before his second season. And then so he's out that, you know, that second season, he comes back, he has a shoulder injury that cost him a lot of his like third year in the league. And then later on after that, you know, so it's an injury thing at the beginning. Then he's traded for Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson goes to Utah. Axum goes to Cleveland. And he only plays 30 total games in Cleveland because he's in Cleveland when everything shuts down in 2020. So all of that stuff happens. He goes to Houston. You know, he, he's a free agent, goes to Houston just for a little bit. And then, you know, he's included in that James Harden trade and to, to Brooklyn. And then, bam, he's headed overseas. So it's like you have this top five overall pick that showed some promise his rookie season, but then it was injury, injury, bounced to Cleveland, world shuts down. And it's like, well, teams are like, what do we do with him? And then Houston tries it out, but then they put him in the Harden trade. And then, bam, he's overseas for two years. And the biggest thing about him was, can he shoot? Can he shoot at a consistent level? He goes overseas for two years, and he shoots at 42% from three. His catch-and-shoot numbers are up. He's playing really good basketball. And then, bam, who comes calling? The old GM who drafted him in Utah, Dennis Lindsay and Nico Harrison in, in Dallas. And they're like, hey, let's give you, we want to give you another shot. Like, bring you, let's, you're playing really good basketball. Let's bring you to camp. Let's see how it works out. And then he's in Dallas. You don't know what's going to happen. This is where for Dallas, it, the, the additions of Derek Jones Jr. and Dante Exum, you look at two guys that you go out and teams do this a lot. They go out and they take a chance, they bring in some vets on cheap one-year, two-year type of deals. But talking about hitting, Dallas has hit on Derrick Jones Jr. and Dante Exum. And now look at the the basketball. I mean, Dante Exum is playing the best basketball of his whole career. And it's kind of uh, – he brings some of the same qualities that we mentioned about Mike Conley. You know, Exum has played a lot of basketball in his career. Um, you know, he's played at a very high level in Europe. He got minutes early in his career with Utah, but it was kind of an interesting situation, blah, blah, blah. You go to Europe, all of a sudden you're competing in the EuroLeague. These games matter, and he is you know, one of the best players on a couple of the top teams over there. Um, he has a maturity about him. He's got experience. He doesn't seem very afraid. Like He really seems confident, not only in you know, kind of the, the playmaking, facilitating defense aspects of his game, but also in his shot. And he has credited his time in Europe for restoring his confidence in his jump shot. We saw that on full display when he hit seven threes against the Lakers. Um, so he has this like poise and composure that you need from a point guard, but he's also got the length and athleticism that you need from a wing. And whenever you can find that in one guy, like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, you've really, really hit the jackpot. Uh, he's probably their best or second best player in the open floor. He's one of their most versatile defenders. He's one of their best point of attack defenders. Um, and he's one of their best playmakers. And for a team that has basically for, what is it now, like two weeks basically, been without either Luka or Kyrie or both. Uh, well, I don't think they both missed any games, but they've one of them has missed a game every game for like two weeks now. Um, you need guys that can facilitate you need guys that can position other players to be successful because the other guards in this rotation guys like Jaden Hardy um you know Seth Curry even Tim I guess if you want to count Tim as a two they're not really playmakers and Josh Green who could potentially be a guy that can drive the lane and find shooters and all that stuff well he's been out too so they need Dante uh and and everything that he can contribute and he's really risen to the occasion uh, and if you want to see a little more um you know, kind of like qualities that he brings on the floor, but also stats to, to back up why he has been so valuable to the team this year. We just put out a video on our YouTube channel, uh, Dante Exum Film Room, uh, the day after that Lakers game, which would have been, I guess, two days ago now. So go check Great that out. Uh, but yeah, dude, I mean, he's been a complete revelation. Yeah, and, and it's the size, too, of like what he can do. I mean, he's like 6'6", so you don't really think of him, you know, you think of him as the, as a guard, but you don't like think of him as like being able to defend those other wings, too. And I love when he drives the paint. And, you know, he's had some pretty serious injury, but, I mean, he's challenging anybody right now. <laughs> you know, Duncan and everything. Like, I just love – I love him. I love the, I love the story. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think right now Jason Kidd can't afford not to – you know, play him a ton. He's a really fun player to watch too, because he has like kind of a, a weird like gait, you know, he's got like a weird posture, kind of has like an old man game. You told me last night, somebody floating like out of a cannon and dunking on a seven footer, you know, like it's like, he's got the most deceptive athleticism of anybody in the league. 
who uh who shot do you say you told me last night that oh dude you? his jumper looks kind of like matt bonner's you know <laughs> he's got this very like deliberate bring the ball like like cock it up but like it like this push like very elbow in the slot kind of shot from like high yeah. up it's a lot like matt bonner uh, kind of or like, uh, you know, maybe maybe a more deliberate version of uh, Davis Bertanz's jump shot. It's a very unique mm. shot. It's 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 a lot of fun to watch her shoot too. He's uh, going in. He, yeah, he's pretty cool. And you know, for for both he and Derek Jones to be, you know, last night notwithstanding, Jones has been really good this year. Um, for both of them to be having these career resurgence, kind of. Out of nowhere, oh my God, these guys are actually really good. And wait a minute, Derek Jones is only 26. Dante is still only 28. For them to be doing that here right now is, first off, very important for the Mavs because they need these contributions with as banged up as everybody else has been. Um, but also, it's good for the players because they will get pretty juicy contracts uh, after their time here, whether it's from the Mavs or from another team. And then it's also good for the Mavs from the standpoint of, like, if you're a 26-year-old, that's maybe bounced around a little bit, or if you're a 28 year old that everyone is kind of leaving for dead, well, maybe you can come play with Luca and Kyrie and you're going to have a really good chance to shoot 40% on wide open threes. If you just play defense and bust your butt, you know? So I think it's, it's really good all around. Um, and it's compelling too, because it's new guys stepping up in, in ways we haven't really seen before around here. So I think it's, I mean, it's just like, it's not, it's much more than just a feel good story, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, on the uh, track, uh, old school track, or uh, a brochure of uh, free agency that you're handing out to free agents, uh, you're putting those two guys, uh, you know, on one of the pages, and it's like, hey, look at look at Exum and D Derek Jones Jr. Look what they did in their careers here in Dallas. This could be you, and so, yeah. Do you think like their free agency pitch is just going to be like a Dante Exum highlight reel, or what? Is that what? They don't say anything. They just they're just gonna show this that. segment of the corner three to, <laughs> to free agency. Um, okay, another guy who's having, you know, I, I don't even know if this is a resurgence, but he's having one of the best, most efficient seasons of his career so far is Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, now Cat, uh, again, this is after he scored 32 against the Lakers. Uh, we decided to lay a, a curse upon Tim by saying, Wow, we should talk about how good Tim has been and uh you know, some of the great six men throughout Mavs history. So again, that's on us. We take the blame, yes, uh, but Kat, let's just pretend that Tim shot like eight for nine last night and everyone's riding high on the THJ for six men of the year train. Yes. I mean, one game isn't going to throw us off, right? So exactly. um, there you go. The agenda will not be stopped. <laughs> so he has missed a couple games, but in all 21 appearances this season, he has come off the bench. He is averaging 17.3 points and he's shooting uh 37.6 from three on about nine uh, nine attempts per game. He is um, playing about 28 minutes a game. So he has made a very strong impact um, coming off the bench because going into the season, we were like, who's going to run the second unit? Well, Tim has definitely had a huge impact on that. And a couple games ago, um, they were asking him about his role this year. And he said, quote, for this team, I feel like it was my job to embrace that role. And with previous uh, past Mavericks teams, that six-man guy, he's a big deal. Jason Terry, for example. I'm just trying to do my best impression of that in the modern-day era. So it got me thinking, you know, there definitely has been um, very – good six men here in Dallas. Like it's definitely been a role that people have come to love. Um, so I decided let's take a trip down, as Bobby said, history lane. <laughs> and uh, revisit. <laughs> That's right. And revisit some of Dallas's guys who have won the six man of the year award. So first up uh, in 1987-88 season, Roy Tarpley won Sixth Man of the Year with Dallas. That year, he played in 81 games. He only started nine of them. Uh, so just to put in, in context, you have to 
come off the bench more times than you start in a season to be considered for the six man award. So he averaged 13.5 points per game, shot 50% from the field, and he averaged 11.8 rebounds a game and double double off the bench. Double double off the bench. That's right. So, uh, yeah, there you go. What you got, Bobby? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously this was before I was born or maybe not, obviously, I don't know how old you think I am, but this was before I was born, but you know, I've seen uh, a lot of Roy Tarpley highlights and I've talked to a lot of people that played with him and that watched him play. Um, the dude was an absolute freak. I mean, he was, you know, it's, it's hard to envision this in an era where there wasn't a lot of spacing. It wasn't a lot of, you know, small ball or anything, but Tarpley's like, whatever he is, six ten, six eleven, seven feet could handle the ball, could run like a gazelle. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to make this comparison because he played 35 years ago, but he had like a, a big man's size, but like a wing skill set. Um, think of a guy like, you know, Giannis, like a terror in the open floor, um, with post moves too, uh, and could shoot it like a little bit. Wasn't shooting threes obviously because of the, the time, but, uh, an uber talented big man. And on that team was very important because they had James Donaldson, um, they still had Mark Aguirre. So then you bring this other guy off the bench who could play either four next to Donaldson or a five next to Aguirre in the Mavs. I mean, huge, huge reason why the Mavs had such a good year that year and went all the way to the Western Conference Finals, losing to the eventual champions in seven games. So um, Tarpley, just a super talented big man. Obviously, what you know what happened after that season is very unfortunate in general. But, I mean, he was just a, an unbelievably talented player. Arguably the best rebounder in, you know, franchise history. And just that, yeah, I mean, to Bobby's point, he's one of my favorite people to talk, like talk about with like people who've been around the Mavs for a long time and just what a freak of nature he was on the basketball court. And yeah, man, he was, he was good. So the next guy up, we're skipping the nineties. Just. Whoa. <laughs> we are skipping the 90s and the next guy who won uh six man of the year was in 2003 2004 and that was anton jameson so that year was he only played one one year with the mavericks this was in 2003 2004 he appeared in all 82 games only started two of them he averaged 14.8 points per game and about six rebounds he shot about 54 percent from the field and he did not take a lot of threes but he does have a 40 percent three-point <laughs> shooting percentage um what's interesting about this is that the next year he went to washington became a starter and an all-star so um so you could say that this season kind of prepared him for what came next in his career yeah, I mean, he was great the year before uh, for the Warriors, too, and he was starting for them, but it's kind of like, okay, is this guy, re- like, really, really good, or is he just, like, a scoring guy on a bad team? He comes here and is a scoring guy on a great team. Um, so good around the basket, good on the offensive glass, like what you're seeing in that video, too. I mean, he was he was really, really good. Very surprising that a player that could score 23, 24 a game or whatever it was would agree to come off the bench, but, hey, he was down for it, and at the end of the year, the Mavs traded him to the Wizards um, for Jerry Stackhouse, who became another great sixth man in Mavs history, and also the number five pick in the draft, which became Devin Harris. So that's how valuable uh, teams around the league viewed him after that season in Dallas. I mean, he was great here. I love Antoine Jameson. He's a Tar Heel. He's, you know, he he actually, I'm pretty confident in this. I should have looked this up before. I think he's one of the few players that scored over 20,000 points that's not in the Hall of Fame right now. I know he... That's been a, a a conversation of if he should be in the Hall of Fame and stuff. But yeah, I mean, he was actually you know, when he had to, you know, he went to Washington. He was actually in that, you know, the Devin Harris trade that brought Devin back or brought Devin to Dallas and and all of that stuff. But I love Antoine Jameson, so I mean, we could continue going for another thirty minutes <laughs> on him. We should do it, Antoine Jameson pod one day. I'm Just- down. <laughs> uh, okay, so then the. Third guy that has won it uh, was Jason the Jet Terry. He won it in 2008-2009. But he was just an integral part of the team, I feel like, the entire time he was here. And he was a key piece in the championship run in 2011. 
He averaged 18 points per game in the NBA Finals, and he scored 27 points in the Game 6 at Miami. So, I mean, he's forever endeared in our hearts for that. Um, That iconic picture of, like, Dirk hugging Jet, like, it just, that is what I think of when I think of Jason Terry. Uh, So the year that he won it was 2008-2009. He averaged almost 20 points, three and a half assists. He shot... 46 from the field and about 37 from three. Um, He played about 33 minutes a game. He appeared in 74 games and only started 11 of them. So definitely a key piece that season, but also throughout his entire career that he was with Dallas. One of the best players to never make an all-star team. Um, One of the best closers of that generation. Like, you know, we know that Dirk was just money in the clutch. I mean, the dude like basically never missed. But another guy that never missed, Jason Terry. Um, pretty much from the time he got to Dallas in 04, 05 until the year they won the title, like he was a top five, top 10 guy in the league in points per game in the fourth quarter. Money from beyond the arc, never missed a free throw, especially whenever he was younger, was super quick and could get in the lane and score at the rim. I mean, he was explosive too. He'd go down and dunk on guys. Jet was unbelievable. And that was another guy, you know, because it, whenever he first got here, he was starting. Um Rick becomes the coach and he's like, all right, I'm going to come off the bench. And not only am I going to come off the bench, but I'm going to win six man of the year. And he did, he called a shot. So uh, there is only one Jason Terry. That's for sure. Yeah. He's, and he's on that, you know, short list of players and hit, you know, in history to where you look at it and you're like, all right, he was one of the best players on, on, you know, a, a title team or one, you know, I think of somebody like a Manu Ginobili and that embraced coming off the bench that, like hey you're one of the best players on the team but you're coming but they came off the bench they embraced that role and i mean i said this about jameson but like i mean we could literally do you know a whole week's worth of pods on on jet and uh, what he means to the team so yeah just to wrap it up i mean he had eight career seasons here in dallas played 619 games only started for 285 like you said so he his role kind of switched but overall he averaged 16 points he shot 85 percent from the from the line 46 from the field so he was definitely just a key piece you know in mavericks history <laughs> yeah he's i mean he was a great player just a great player um impossible to imagine the mavs winning the championship or having the level of success that they did in the mid thousands without jason terry without him specifically i mean he's a guy that is irrationally confident He's a guy that's going to fire up the crowd. Um, one of the few people that would have like the the self belief and the swagger to in 2011 game two, D Wade hits that three right in front of the Mavs bench to put them up 88 73 or whatever it was. Five years after choking in well choke whatever blowing the finals to the Heat, um, that same guy. Jed is like the only person that could go through all of that stuff, getting humiliated by the Warriors, getting bounced in the first round the year before as a two seed and say like, yeah, no, nobody likes to show up. Like, let's go out and win the game. You know, um, he is he is a one of one. Yeah, an assistant coach for the Jazz right now, too. So he was in the building uh, the other night. And, you know, there's so many other dudes throughout history, too. Chris Gatling. Uh, I know we, we skipped the 90s there, but Gatling. Made the all-star I mean, team at the six man. Yeah, back last year, uh, Christian Wood coming off the bench, having some solid – there's a lot of numbers out there, a lot of defensive rebound percentage and different stuff out there. That, okay. No, I was saying, like, hit coming off the bench and stuff. So there's different guys, you know, throughout history. J.J. Barrett. Yeah, I was going to say, one. J.J. was one that stood yeah. out to me. Yeah, yeah. And there's been, um, there's been more. You know, I think back to guys like, uh, you know, Devin uh, in, and Vince Carter, both of them, coming off the bench for the Mavs in 2013-14, um, that season where they almost beat the Spurs in the first round. Their bench unit was Vince Carter, who was kind of like the lead premier sixth man of that group. But Vince, Devin Harris, and Brandon Wright just completely changed the fabric of the team whenever they would come into the game. Brandon Wright. Um, you know, love all of these teams that, that have had success um, in Dallas, the sixth man has been a huge part of it, a huge, huge part of it. Really, I, I guess outside of the 21-22 team that went to the Western Conference Finals, I mean, I guess their sixth man was 
I mean, Maxi, I like I get Spencer Dinwiddie, of course, in game seven had 30 points. So I you could probably include him as the sixth man of that group. Um, you know, he did play a ton of minutes, but I mean he started games throughout the that playoff run because Luca was out too. So I don't really know who you would classify as a sixth man in that group. But yeah, I mean, I guess that game seven in Phoenix is one of the signature games in franchise history, and Dinwiddie was the you know, the second leading scorer in that game. So yeah, I mean, I guess he counts uh in in, in that respect too. I love that game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love history lane. We should, we should <laughs> scroll down it more often, Kat. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm down. Let's do it again <laughs> right now. Yeah, I have some trivia for you guys, actually. I thought it would be okay. fun. All right. What, what, of... what do we got? Okay. So I picked three players um, from like Mavs all time. I kept it to the 2000s and on, though. And I'm just going to give you the teams that the player has played for. And then I want to see if you guys can guess it. Okay. So you're going to be telling us, you have a player in mind. Yes. So I'm going to give you their path. (laughs) Okay. And and this is only from the year 2000 and more recent? Well, one of them played in the 2000s, but he started in the 90s. So. Okay. Okay. So it's it's guys from the last like 25 years-ish? Yes. Yes. Okay. So Ish. if you're watching at home, <laughs> think about it. Isaac and I are going to talk it out. Are we like mm-hmm. being timed? What's the pressure? What's at stake here? Um, I'll give you guys hints if I feel that you guys, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to like completely stump you guys, but I'm trying to make you guys think, I'm trying to make you okay. work for it. <laughs> All right, Isaac, we got to do this, man. I'm ready. We okay. Got All right. So I'm going to start off with like what I think is a kind of easy one and then kind of go like mid-range okay. and then go. Flex on us. Yes. So then, all right. So, Luca. Yes. Right. Okay. Dallas. <laughs> all right. So this guy started his career in Philadelphia, then went to Detroit, then Washington, then Dallas, Milwaukee, Miami, Atlanta, and finished out in Brooklyn. Oh, boy. Do Philly. the timeline again. Philly to who? Detroit. Okay, so Philly to Detroit to Washington. So big East Coast guy. Then he comes to Dallas. Then Milwaukee, Miami, Atlanta, and Brooklyn. This is the easiest one? Yeah. <laughs> I thought Philly, Detroit, Washington, Dallas. Yes. So he was a he was a rookie in 1995-1996. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Philly, Detroit, Washington, Dallas. He played five seasons in Dallas. Oh my God. This is upsetting. Maybe I shouldn't have. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have prefaced that with (laughs) this is the easiest one. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, that's like really insulting. Yeah. Yeah, Two time all star. (laughs) Somebody's like, I'm turning this thing off. Maps? Uh, he was an all-star with standby. He was an all-star with Detroit two years in a row in 1999, 2000 and 2000, Oh, oh my God. Okay. 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 Isaac, I'm so disappointed that you don't know this one. Is it Jerry Stackhouse? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, we just talked about him. <laughs> I, that's I why I was like, this one's easy. You guys just talked about him. He should be fresh on your mind. The Philly thing <laughs> threw me all off. I forgot he played in Philly. Was that so, so yeah, was he so like he, a rookie there or something? He was a rookie in Philly and then he got traded to Detroit in the oh, wow, 1997 okay. 98 season. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just, I just thought he started his career with Detroit. I know he had some okay. big seasons with the Pistons, like 29 points a game or something one year. Yeah. So let's see. Yeah. His second All Star year with Detroit, 2000 2001, he averaged 29.8 points per game. Ooh. Uh, and yeah. that's in an era where they were scoring like 75 a night. So you, he was getting yeah. buckets. So, yeah. Anyway. So he went, he went about, let's see, one, two, three, four seasons straight where he averaged over 20 points a game. Wow. Let's go. Stack. Wow. Shout All out right. to the six man conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the easy one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, next? <laughs> I don't know. Let's find out. Okay. So this next guy, let's see. He, Started his career in Minnesota, then he came to Dallas, 
then Denver, back to Minnesota, Houston, then the Lakers, the Thunder, Philadelphia, and Sacramento. Isaac, James. I'm tempted. Do you? Do, I, I have an idea of it is. Do you, do you have an idea? Go for it. it. No, phone a friend. I'm phoning Bobby. <laughs> hey, I'm tempted to say that he was a member of the Mavs championship team. He was. Okay. Whoa. So that narrowed down for and you. I, was, I know who it is now, Isaac. Can you, do you know? That they was his on, one year in Dallas. Wait, they played on Lakers? Just mm-hmm. think Just think of the Kobe beef. Who's the Kobe beef's guy? Um, <laughs> oh, dang it. He had a 50-point <laughs> game with the Wolves. Yeah, in that second stint, he had that 50-point game with the Wolves. Yeah. Corey okay, Bur- so I guess that was the easier one for Bobby. <laughs> yeah, that one was a little se- easier for me. That I forgot he easier. played one season. But only because I'm such good friends with the, the, the King Doyle Raider. Uh, I know he, all about Corey Brewer. I know all about Josh McRoberts. Josh McRoberts, yeah. <laughs> all right. Y'all ready for the last one? One more? Yeah, I yeah. can't wait. Okay. All right. So this guy, <laughs> this guy started in Dallas, went to Indiana, Boston, and then finished his career in Milwaukee. Whoa. Is it a short career? Uh, let's see. So he he was in the league from 2003. So his rookie year was 2003-2004. And his last year in the league was 2012-2013. So, I know who it is. I know who it is. Bernard James. One of my favorite Mavs. One of my favorite Mavs. Yeah. Oh, a guy that, in it. my opinion, I'm still salty, did not play more minutes in game six of the 2006 finals. Go for it. The great Keezy. Music Keys, star. Yeah. Marquise Daniels. That's right. Good job, Bob. Still salty. I am. I'm salty. Let me. I'm. I'm stalling for time here so that I can pull up the box score from that game. Um, what was the, what was the team six. after Indiana? Uh, so he went to Indiana, Boston for three years, and then finished out his uh, career in Milwaukee. Ooh, I don't remember the Milwaukee one. Yeah. So in, in oh, I do because he did a. Uh, I was looking around. So this is right whenever I got hired by the Mavs. I was looking back at some of the things that teams did because I wanted to do like a like a Cribs style thing. Um, the Bucks did this thing where they had players show off their car, and uh, Marquis mm. showed off his car for the Bucks. Ooh, what was it? So, uh, well, it was like he had. It was like his winter car. So it was just this big burly SUV with like tires the size of a planet, you know, so that he didn't slide out on the ice. Yeah. Um, game six of the 06 Finals. Marquis Daniels in 18 minutes, four of six from the floor, four of five from the free throw line. He had 12 points in 18 minutes off the bench, um, but only played 18 minutes. Like, man, like in theory, he's the guy that you would want guarding D Wade, right? He's got length, he's got quickness, he's got good hands. um, But, you know, it didn't matter who guarded D Wade in that series because, uh, you know, stuff. Yeah. Not that I so still care about note, it anymore. I'm, right? I'm not mad. I'm actually laughing about that series. I think it not was funny. Not salty at all. <laughs> yeah, I think it was funny. funny. Wow. Okay. That was fun, Kat. That was really, really fun. Um, yeah, I'm let's curious bring it to back. see how the, how the listeners did. So if you're, um, if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, I hope you yelled out the answer in your car. If you're watching on YouTube, yes. comment, below with, comment below with how many you got. And if you beat Bobby, if you knew it before Bobby. Yeah, if you beat me, then you're a. If you if you knew the Jerry Stackhouse one right off the bat, you're a basketball genius. You I guys had say. just talked about him. That's what uh, I had. I picked him before we even did this, but I was like, kind of thinking, like, okay, six man, you know, whatever. But mm. come on, that's a good thematic tie-in. Thank you. That's Thank a really you. good thematic tie-in. There's <laughs> been a lot of a lot of uh, you know, I guess like this isn't unique to the Mavs, but there's been a lot of journeymen that have like had really really productive careers and then have come to dallas whether it's like in their older years guys like stackhouse or like tim hardaway jr's dad tim hardaway senior um that have had like really 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 good careers that end up here um and and you know succeed with the maps so that's that's been yeah that was fun we should do that more often one of my other guys that i was gonna pick was Devin george because i thought that was like a really interesting one mm. Mm. Yeah, that was let me see if, ooh, let me see if i can guess his path Lakers. Okay, hold on. Yep, Lakers. 
Okay. And then... Um, Almost. No. Well, I know there was one team between the Lakers and the Mavs, right? So that's where it gets kind of interesting for him because he was going to be part of the Jason Kidd trade with Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, once he was once he then, was with the Mavs, right? Yeah, once he was with the Mavs, but then he uses bird rights, and so that's what stalled the Jason Kidd trade. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he ended up staying with the Mavs, and then he left the team after that season. But it's a good thing he stayed yep. with the Mavs, even though it, it ended up not really mattering because game five of the first round in 2008, uh, the at the time, the New Orleans Hornets were just blowing the Mavs out. And, like, the series was over. They were down, like, 15 with, like, five minutes ago or whatever. Devin George comes in and just bangs in, like, four threes in a row. And uh, all of a sudden, it became a game again for, like, a second. But then Chris Paul closed the door. Um, yeah. So that was that was frustrating. But Devin George almost had, like, a signature moment, like, a, literally almost like a single-handed comeback. In an elimination game. I just remember like living in LA and he won three championships when, when I was there. So that's kind of how, how I remember him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Key player on a great team. Yeah. Oh, good times. People just sit around <laughs> and say athletes names, you know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> cool. Oh, uh, sorry. I, Isaac was like leaning forward. I thought he was gonna like. No, sorry. I, I was like, come in and say like John <laughs> Stephenson or something, you know, and just like really set it off. Travis Best. Chop's giving us the. Travis. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah he is. Chop, you're not even on the stage, man. You're not even doing anything. <laughs> okay, well, this is fun, y'all. Um, oh, so here's the deal. Um, our pods basically between now and New Year's, uh, maybe a little after that. Again, our office, we got like tractors and stuff in there. I don't, I can't even believe it. I can barely fit through the door, but we got like powerful equipment in there, uh, taking care of business, uh, helping set us up for the whatever playoff push. Um, so we will be doing things remotely for a little while. Um, but we'll still be making pods on schedule. So we'll have to take that with you coming out at the beginning of next week. It's almost Mavs, um, uh, and then the corner three. Uh, with some other stuff sprinkled in between uh, whenever we can swing it. So, um, you know, thank you for uh, for watching and for listening to all of our shows. And, uh, you know, we will we will not stop just because, you know, we have a, a crane indoors moving stuff around. Right, guys? Right. right. We'll be back right. next week. Cool. Okay. Uh, well, uh, Kat and Isaac, thanks for joining. Uh, Chopper off stage. He can't say anything, um, but I appreciate Chopper. He's not even near his laptop. He's already given up on it. Oh, oh, there he is. There he is. <laughs> Found him. <laughs> there he is, waving hi to us. Okay. Uh, thank you all for watching. Really appreciate it. We appreciate all the support, all the comment, all the feedback, everything. Uh, and we'll be back with you next week for another episode of The Corner 3. Until then, we'll see you. Bye. Ooh.